feel overwhelmed today? Because I sense the Lord is doing something. You know, many years ago, the nation of Israel were in captivity to Egypt. And the Bible says that God heard their groan. There was a groan in, in their captivity. They, there was a groan that, that went up to God, and he heard that groan, and four words came from heaven. And those words were these, let my people go. And once heaven spoke those words, it was only a matter of time. It was already set in motion, because when God says something, it happens. And I feel like there's a similar thing happening today. And, and the captivity that I feel like the Lord is, is wanting to set us free from is something that we slip into so easily, and it, it's, a, it's a performance-oriented mindset. Where, where we're struggling and we're striving, we're trying to please God, we're trying to earn favor with God, when the reality is, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are in a place of favor with God. And so we're struggling, we're striving to attain something we already have by faith. And I feel like the Lord is saying, let my people go. I am about to take you out of this, this captivity because it's based on lies of the enemy. And God is coming, and it's not just the knowledge of the truth. You know, we can become so knowledgeable, so, I mean, who hasn't heard a message about stepping out of works? Who hasn't heard a message about, you know, stepping out of this performance cycle that we get? We all have. But see, it's not the knowledge that brings freedom. It's the experience of it that brings freedom. And the experience of it comes through the Holy Spirit. God has given us his spirit that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God because of what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross. There are certain things that have been set in motion, but it's the Holy Spirit that allows you to actually experience it and live in it. It's one thing to know that, hey, I'm saved by grace through faith. I don't need to perform for God. I don't need to try to work or strive or any of those things. It's one thing to know that. It's another thing to live there. And God is calling us to live in in those things. God is calling us to not just intellectually know things, but to experience the reality. And that's really, I believe, what my message is going to be about today. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to talk to you today about the greatest asset that we have as as God's people. Your greatest resource. And and I, I want to introduce by reading Paul's benediction in his last letter to the Corinthian church. We begin with this same verse of scripture last Sunday. And I'll, I'll do the same disclaimer. This is going to sound like a benediction, but I'm not releasing you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ 
and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. Speak your word to our hearts. Let each one of us hear what you want us to hear. Awaken in each one of us a passion, a new passion and love for you, a desire for intimacy with you. Holy Spirit, come. Come and beckon us. Come and woo us. Draw our hearts to yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. All of the Godhead is involved here. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He talks about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I need that grace. It is what empowers me. It's his grace that, that, that enables me to break free from striving and struggling and trying to perform for God. His grace is, is divine enabling, working in our lives. How, how needed that is for each one of us, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. I need God's love. It heals me. It makes me whole. As we experience his unconditional love, it positions us, it heals us, and empowers us to love each other with his love. We love him because he first loved us. As we experience his love, it awakens our love for him, and it positions us for his love to flow through our lives to others. And I'm seeing the strobe light back there, which means I'm talking way too fast. And the communion of the Holy Spirit. What is the communion of the Holy Spirit? We know that the Greek word that's translated communion here is also translated fellowship elsewhere in the New Testament. It's the Greek word koinonia. What what does that word express? It expresses the idea of fellowship, partnership, and distribution. It expresses fellowship, partnership, and distribution. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But let me make this statement to us as we delve into this area. It's in your notes. The deeper the fellowship we have with the Holy Spirit, the greater will be our kingdom effectiveness and our kingdom fruitfulness. The key to kingdom effectiveness and fruitfulness lies in our relationship with Holy Spirit. We have access to God through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.18 says, For by him, talking about Jesus, what he did on the cross, for by him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Through what Jesus did, we both have access. The, The both here is referring to the Jew and the Gentile. We have access to the Father by one spirit, the Holy Spirit. We are connected to God through the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But here in 
lies the danger. In your notes, we can have the Holy Spirit and not fellowship with him. You can have the one that Jesus calls the helper. You can have the one that Jesus said would guide you into all truth and not fellowship with him, not activate his help. A while back, I heard John Bevere say this. He said, the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person of the Godhead. What an interesting statement to make. After all, the Holy Spirit is the one who is here with us. He lives inside of us. The way we activate his help in our lives is simply to acknowledge him by, by fellowshipping with him. But see, we are the initiator of that fellowship. He is here and available to us. He lives inside of each one of us that have made Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. He can't get any closer to us. And we can grow in relationship with him or we can ignore him. Imagine this hypothetical. You have someone that, that works with you every day. They work in the same office that you do. And, and yet you don't really connect with them or talk to them much. I mean, you might say hi to them every once in a while. But you have very limited interaction with them because you're very busy with your stuff. You, you, you have a job to do. Now, now, let me take this hypothetical a little bit further. Imagine that this person is available to you. They could assist you anytime you need it, and they are more knowledgeable than you are. In fact, there isn't anything that they don't know. What an amazing resource they would be. But your interaction with them is very limited, and you start running into some difficulty at work. Imagine if you continue to ignore that person and tried to do it all yourself. Yet they are available to you as this amazing resource, but you're just too busy trying to do your job, to do life. My, my point is this. We can have the Holy Spirit. We can get saved. We can even get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And yeah, things are better. And yeah, we have heaven to look forward to. But life is busy. I'm just getting through stuff until Jesus comes. But see, we have this, this helper that with us that Jesus has sent. He was sent to us. When Jesus went to the Father... The Holy Spirit was sent to us to guide us into all truth, to help us with everything in life, in all things that pertain to life and godliness, and yet we can ignore him as we go through life. We're so busy, so preoccupied with all the stuff that we have to do, and yet he is waiting, waiting... <laughs> for us to acknowledge him, waiting for us to activate his help in our lives. There is a difference between having the Holy Spirit and experiencing him daily. 
living in fellowship with him. Mickey and I were married last century. That just, that just makes it sound like a long time ago. <laughs> you know, we got married because we were in love. We wanted to be together. We wanted to do life together. We felt a divine connection, too, like we had the same purpose in life. And I, I could think of no better companion to go through life with than my wife. We, we loved to be together. She legally became Mrs. David Jones. Now imagine if after the ceremony took place, my attitude was, okay, now I'm married. Got that over with. Now I'm going to get on to the other things. Imagine if I checked it off my list and I started kind of ignoring her, not fellowshipping with her, but wait a minute. The reason we got married is because we wanted to be together. We wanted to be companions as we go through life. We wanted to do life together, to be intimate with one another as we did. Pastor Day, what are you trying to say? We can have and ignore the Holy Spirit. Every time I say that, I feel like weeping. Jesus called him the helper, but he will not force his help on anyone. Nevertheless, he is available if you want his help. He is available, but we must acknowledge him and ask him for his help. In your notes, <clears throat> you activate the Holy Spirit in your life by acknowledging his presence. It, it, it's as simple as that. Es fácil. How do you cultivate a relationship with anyone? You, you do it by spending time with them. And gradually, the communication will go deeper and deeper. Holy Spirit, thank you for living inside of me. Help me to walk through this day in, in a way that, that gives glory to you. Help me to manifest the kingdom wherever I go. Help me to be a good husband a good father, a good brother. See, when you acknowledge him, when you talk to him, you are activating his help in your life. It's really as simple as that. But, but if we ignore him, if we just go through all our stuff alone, he will let you do that. But it's not his desire. He has come to live inside of you, to partner with you, to do life with you. In your notes, we are living in the age of the Holy Spirit. The church age is the age of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? In the creation and in the Old Testament, we see Father God on the forefront. The focus is on him, God, Jehovah, Almighty God, Elohim, El Shaddai. It was the age of Father God. At his coming, 
Jesus Christ took center stage. He became the central figure of the Godhead through, through which God spoke and accomplished his will. He was God manifest in the flesh. He was the express image of the person of God. He was the image of the invisible God. He, he, he was seen, God was seen and expressed through Jesus Christ. And Jesus always glorified the Father. Even when he was on the forefront, he was always pointing to the Father. After his work was accomplished, he ascended and he sent the Holy Spirit. Today is the age of the Holy Spirit. It began in Acts chapter 2. That's what the church age is. It is the age of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the person of the Godhead with whom we have to do in this age. And see, we can see that clearly when we read the book of Acts. I just want to read a few passages quickly. These passages in Acts reveal to us the relationship that the early church had with the Holy Spirit. They, they reveal their utter dependence on Holy Spirit. Now, let, let me just read these to us. Acts 5.3, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Acts 5.9, how is it that you have agreed to test the Spirit of the Lord? Acts 11.12, then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Acts 13, 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Acts 13, 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. Acts 15, 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Acts 16, 6, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Acts 16, 17, after they came, had come to Mysia, I realize I'm talking too fast, Cheryl. They tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Acts 19, 21, afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia. Acts 20, 28, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Acts 21, 11, thus says the Holy Spirit. After reading through the book of Acts, you'd, you'd think that the Holy Spirit was in charge of the early church, and you'd be thinking, right? The apostles understood the season they were living in. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit has come. He lives inside of us. And he glorifies Jesus. He's always pointing to Jesus. Just as when Jesus was center stage, he was always pointing to the Father. The Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. But Holy Spirit is in the predominant role. He is in charge of the church, and he is with us. The Father and Son are working through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Jesus was talking to his disciples. This is shortly before his arrest. 
John chapter 14, verses 16, 17, and 18. Are you guys doing okay? And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving but the Father will give you another helper, parakletos, advocate, comforter, intercessor. And he will be with you forever. This is permanent. Now, if that's true, we might as well get to know him. He is the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. How important do you think that is in the day that we are living in? To have fellowship with the spirit of truth. When he spoke these words, Jesus was about to leave. But he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you. I will come to you in a different way as the spirit of truth and he will father you. You won't be orphans. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. It is through communion or fellowship with the Holy Spirit that the resources of the kingdom become available to us. In your notes, the Holy Spirit is the administrator of the kingdom of God. What do I mean by that? He manages the resources of heaven. He is the administrator of the grace of the Lord Jesus. He is the administrator of the love of the Father. In fact, the Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit within us. All the resources of God now come to us through the Holy Spirit. They, they, they come because of the Son, but through the Spirit. They come because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross, but they, they are released, they are manifested through the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 32, He who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God has made all things available to us through what Jesus did when he died on the cross. But they come to us through the Holy Spirit, through our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let me show that to you. 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We have received the Holy Spirit from God, that we might know all that has been freely given to us. Those things come to us because of what Jesus did on the cross, but it is through the Holy Spirit that we come to know them, that we become intimate with them. 
that you may know, to discern clearly, to experience. A knowledge that will bring you into experience. I was talking earlier about God wanting to set us free from a performance-oriented mindset. We all know that. But there's a difference between knowing it and stepping out of that mindset into the freedom that God wants to bring us into. It's not an intellectual knowing of things. It's not just some acquired knowledge. It's the knowledge that brings you into the experience of it. The communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You know, I talked earlier about this, but let me, let me explain it a little bit more. Communion. The word koinonia expresses the idea of fellowship, partnership, and distribution. Fellowship. In your notes, this refers to interaction on the basis of intimate friendship. Like the, the fellowship that we have with each other. You know, I, I, I remember being at this conference, sitting down with this guy across from me from lunch, having a conversation with him like I've known him forever. Just met him. But see, we're, we're, we're tuned into God. We have this heart for God because of, of, of his spirit being inside of us. There's this instant connection and fellowship. We are invited into fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And, and see, he is the source of our spiritual life and power. I, I heard someone say this recently. There is no authority without intimacy with God. The intimacy is what allows you to walk in authority. How do you think a, a stranger would respond if you walked up to them and just began to hold their hand? Or just walked up to them and, and embraced them? I'm thinking it's going to be kind of awkward. They probably won't receive it well. I don't think I would. But, but sometimes that's the way we are with God. We want the authority and the power, but we want to skip the time involved in developing intimacy. Part of the fruit of the Spirit in our life is faith. Our faith is proportional to our communion with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know in Galatians 5, 22, 23, there's a list that we refer to as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of being in connection with the Holy Spirit, the, these things will begin to grow on this trait. Love, joy, peace. And see, one of those things that's mentioned is faithfulness, but you know, it's actually the same word that's translated faith everywhere else in the New Testament. It's the same word in Romans 10, 17, when it says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the same word as 1 Corinthians 12, 9, when it talks about the gift of faith. The fruit of the Spirit, part of that fruit is faith. Faith uh, our faith is proportional to our communion with the Holy Spirit. Now, I have an overhead for this, but powerful faith comes from two things. Our communion with the Holy Spirit and our communion with the Word of God. Now, we just said the first thought that comes from the word koinonia is fellowship. The second one is partnership. We have been invited into partnership 
with the Holy Spirit. What is partnership? What does partnership look like? In your notes, it's like when each person brings certain things into a business. One may bring the finances, another expertise, another the opportunity or the marketing idea. That's what a partnership looks like. Now, in the king's business, in, in, in the God enterprise that you and I have been born again into, the Holy Spirit brings all the finances or all the resources of God. He also brings the expertise. So what do we bring to the table? We only bring our physical presence, our availability, our surrendering to his leadership. And that's all that God's looking for. That's all that he needs. He brings everything else to the table. The Holy Spirit asks us to partner with him in building the kingdom, to work together as partners for the same purpose. The Holy Spirit was sent to earth to work in partnership with us to bring success to the king's business, which is the kingdom of God being released into the earth. Now, the third thing associated with the word koinonia is distribution. In your notes, the Holy Spirit is the distributor of all things from heaven. He is the one who releases it into the earth. He is the manifester of the Godhead. He is the one that releases it into this realm. There's an interesting verse, I know we're all familiar with it, but I, I find it fascinating. It's Romans 14, 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Did you know that? But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now this verse of scripture reveals three things about the kingdom. Number one, what it isn't. It, it, it's not about eating and drinking. As much as we love our potlucks. What it is. It is righteousness and peace and joy. But number three, where it is. It is in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. If you want to cultivate, if you want to experience the kingdom, cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit. All the resources of the kingdom are available through the Holy Spirit. Kingdom provision. In your notes, the provision of God is constant in heaven. There is no lack. There is only abundance. How is God's provision brought to us here on earth? Through communion with Holy Spirit. Everything that God has made available to us through what Jesus has done, they are all distributed by the Holy Spirit. He is the manifester. So here's the danger. You can know the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, but not know the Holy Spirit. You can have lots of theological knowledge 
about the Holy Spirit, but if you are not in communion with him, you will have no reality of the kingdom in your life. You might be a very religious person. You might know lots of stuff, but you will be lacking the experience of what you know. You can run around and talk about it with others, but you're not living in the experience of it. Don't ever settle just for knowledge. Go after where that knowledge is designed to take you. I may learn something from reading my Bible, but it is through fellowship with the Holy Spirit that it will begin to be applied to my life. The Holy Spirit will take my newfound understanding and bring it into my experience. Amen. In your notes, how do we fellowship with the Holy Spirit? We need to acknowledge his presence and welcome him. You activate the helper by asking for help. Pretty profound, isn't it? Good morning, Holy Spirit. It's a brand new day. Help me to be conscious of your presence today. Help me to pray to the Father right now. Help me to read my Bible right now. Holy Spirit, let's read the scriptures together. Holy Spirit, let's preach together. Holy Spirit, let's lead worship together. Holy Spirit, help me to love with your love today. Help me to walk in your wisdom. How do you fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Use your prayer language, too. In your notes, pray in the Spirit constantly. Pray in the prayer language that God has given you because you will be praying the perfect will of God. And see, when you do, you cannot help but experience his presence in your consciousness. It edifies you. It builds you up in your spirit, man. Paul said, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. I love Jude chapter 1, verse 20. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. If that's true, and you take it seriously, and you begin to pray often in the Spirit, you are edifying yourself. You are building yourself up on your most holy faith. And let me warn you, you can only handle so much edification before something happens inside of you, and it will begin to manifest around you. I can only contain so much excitement, so much edification before I explode. I want to close today with this admonition. There are three things the scriptures tell us that will stop the flow of heaven. Three things that we are instructed not to do in relationship to the Holy Spirit. Did you know that Jesus was very protective of the Holy Spirit? You know, he said, you know, you can say what you want about me, but don't you talk about the Holy Spirit. He was very protective of the Spirit of God. Number one, resisting the Holy Spirit. Acts 7, 51. 
You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. The word resist here means to oppose. Stephen was preaching this to a hostile audience. They were rejecting the message of the risen Christ, just like their forefathers had rejected the message that earlier prophets had brought to them. We resist the Holy Spirit whenever we reject what God is trying to tell us, what he's saying right now. When we reject what God is doing in our midst, when we are stuck in thinking in, in our old ways of thinking, we, we can't seem to receive what God is saying. When God wants to bring new understanding to us, but we don't receive it, it's because we've hardened our hearts. It has to do with the heart, this resisting the Holy Spirit and being teachable. There's an interesting verse of scripture in 2 Peter 1 verse 12. Peter says this, he says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in present truth. Present truth is what the Spirit is saying to the church right now. Now, I'm not saying God's writing another book. He's not. It will, it will all be in conformity and line up with the written word of God. But there are seasons and there are times when God speaks. Sarah talked about it earlier, about the Reformation. In Martin Luther's day, do you know what God was saying to the church? Salvation by faith. The priesthood of all believers. There was a truth that God was releasing into the earth. And, and it's interesting that there was a group that embraced it. But, but let, me, let me tell you a sad truth. Oftentimes, the previous move of God would be the one that would oppose the most the next one. Because instead of camping in tents, they poured foundations. Instead of staying in a teachable place with their ear leaned into God, desiring to hear whatever he wanted to say, they, they established all their doctrines and everything. And Do you understand what I'm saying? Present truth. What is God saying? Are, are we able to receive what God is saying in our day? I don't want to ever stop being teachable, open, and receptive. Because we, we can end up resisting and opposing the very thing God is doing. I'll tell you that many moves of God... were not recognized. There was a generation back in the 60s that had been crying out for God to move on a nation that seemed to be teetering and tottering. There, there were the hippies and, and all this radical stuff and anti-establishment. All this stuff is, is rising up. And, and there were people that were praying for God to pour out his spirit on the generation. And interestingly enough, when hippies started walking into church without shoes on and things like that, many of them were ushered right out. They did not recognize what God was doing in their day, and the very thing they prayed for, they ushered right out the door. We need to recognize 
what God is doing and what God is saying. You know, I, I'm sure we've, we've all been guilty at times of, of this. And we need to repent of resisting the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I repent of resisting you. I want to fully embrace whatever you are saying, whenever you are saying. I, I, I want to be teachable and open. Break through all my, the stuff in my life, God. And see, that's what fellowship with the Holy Spirit does. That's what he does. Number two, grieving the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That word grieve means to grieve. It means to distress. It means to make sad. The context is grieving the Holy Spirit because of our behavior. The predominant context of this verse would indicate that it refers to how we treat each other by saying things that don't impart grace to the hearer. The verse right after this verse says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. We grieve the Holy Spirit by not walking in love towards each other. We grieve the Holy Spirit by walking in the flesh instead of walking in the Spirit. How many times in John chapters 14, 15, and 16 does Jesus talk about love? You know, these, these are Jesus' last words with his disciples after the Last Supper, before his arrest. So these are like, Jesus is saying the important stuff. He's only got a short amount of time with him. He says, if you, if you love me, keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He who does not love me does not keep my words. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. These things I command you, that you love one another. When we treat each other in, in a manner or fashion that is not love, that grieves the Holy Spirit. When, when you think of resisting the Holy Spirit, think of not being teachable or open. When you think of grieving the Holy Spirit, think of not walking in love as you interact with his body. Holy Spirit, forgive me for grieving you. Help me to see people through your eyes and help me to love them with your love. Number three, quenching the Spirit. Quenching the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the spirit. The word could be translated extinguish, like putting out a fire, doing something that stops the flow of the spirit in our lives or in the lives of those around us. The context is not allowing Holy Spirit freedom. And, and please do not think of this just in the context of gatherings. It's actually not written, it's, it's not actually written in that context here. The context here is how we live life. Just before this, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. He, he's not talking about a church service, he's talking about living life. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Then he says, do not quench the spirit. As you are doing life, do not quench the spirit. 
Wherever you are, don't extinguish the Holy Spirit. Let him flow. Let him flow. Worship team, please come. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit a number of years ago. And it, it was brought about or it was perpetrated by realizing these instructions about not resisting, not grieving, and not quenching the Holy Spirit. And I found myself repenting. I found myself saying, God, please forgive me for, for not being open to what you're saying and doing if it didn't agree with my particular theology at the moment. Forgive me. Any time that I have quenched or any time that I have grieved you. And I felt at the end of that time just a whole new relationship with Holy Spirit. And I believe that's what I'm inviting you into this morning. I feel like, I feel like the Holy Spirit is just saying, hey, I want you to know me. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to know my strength, my peace, my power, my grace. I want to break you out of that performance mentality into the freedom that sons and daughters have with their father. Let us repent of ever resisting, grieving, or quenching the Holy Spirit. We've all been guilty of it. All, all these things. Do you want to see an increase of Holy Spirit activity in your life? Just acknowledge these three things. Repent. Father, forgive me for resisting you. Not being open to what you wanted to say or do. Holy Spirit, forgive me for grieving you by not walking in love toward your people. Holy Spirit, forgive me for quenching you for stopping, for extinguishing your activity in my life and in, and in environments around me. Let's stand together. I just want to pray for you this morning. I just want to encourage you to step into receive mode. You don't have to pray. Just receive. Holy Spirit, we want to know you. Help each one of us to develop in relationship and in fellowship with you. Forgive us for resisting you concerning the things that you wanted to teach us or where you wanted to take us. Forgive us for grieving you and not walking in love. Forgive us for quenching you not making room for what you wanted to do. Forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Teach us your ways, Holy Spirit. We say come. Thank you, Lord. I don't want to.
little bit late today. I am sorry. A little bit late. <laughs> I want to encourage you. We're having a potluck after service. You're invited. There's always enough food. I want to invite prayer teams to come up, be available to pray with people today. The benediction I want to give you is, I guess I've already read it three or four times, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. God bless you, saints. Have a great week.